Simply put, childcare and preschool are difficult to come by in Oregon. For many, it's not affordable. Sometimes, families don't even have the option. Today, Oregon's Early Learning System Director, Miriam Calderon, and Multnomah County Commissioner Jessica Vega-Peterson join us to talk about the importance of early childhood education and how we could better invest in Oregon's kids. From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. Most of Oregon is a desert. We're not talking about a lack of rain, but rather a lack of affordable, quality childcare and preschool. A new study shows every county in the state is considered a childcare desert when it comes to care for newborns two to two years old. The outlook isn't much better for preschool age children, and the childcare that is available is costly. In fact, Oregon is ranked fourth least affordable place in the country for childcare and preschool. Today on Straight Talk, we find out why we're lacking in childcare. We examine the challenges for both parents and childcare providers. And we'll learn about a proposal in Multnomah County to provide preschool for all children in the county. Welcome to my guest, the director of Oregon's early learning system, Miriam Calderon, and Multnomah County Commissioner Jessica Vega-Peterson. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's great to have you both here. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Let's kick off the discussion with why this topic is so important. Why should people care about it even if they don't have young children? Let's begin with Director Calderon. Sure, well, um, the learning begins at birth, and that is a fact that is supported by reams of science and evidence, including brain science. It says 90% of our human brain develops in really the first 2,000 days of a child's life, even the first 1,000 days. So this is really, um, I think, a fundamental fact that to th this is the most consequential period in human development. So we have to really recognize that and embrace that and support children from the beginning. And we also know that um, the children, you know, children are key to the success of our schools, of our economy, of our future. So this is really an issue that affects us all. When we support children, we support families, we support businesses, we support the success of all Oregonians. Commissioner. Yeah, I think those are exactly um, the right points. I also think that when you, whether or not you have children, you want to see our community, you want to see our society do well. And we know that investments in quality childcare and and quality early education pay benefits that are really long-term in terms of the success of the children and the families who receive that care. And you know, if I was an employer, knowing that my employees had access to quality, reliable childcare that they could count on would make me feel better about that. We talked about childcare desert, so let's define what a childcare desert is. A community with more than three children for a single childcare slot or in other words, that's 33% or fewer children have access to that slot. And let's look at how many childcare deserts we have in Oregon. Now, when you look at this graphic, and for our podcast listeners, I'll describe this for you. We're going to see a graphic on the left. This is for zero to two-year-olds, and it shows that every county, every one of the 36 counties in Oregon is a childcare desert for this age group, zero to two. Next to it is a picture for preschool age, and the ones with stars are the counties that are not desert. So only nine of those 36 counties are not deserts for the preschool age. Director Calderon, why do we have so many childcare deserts in Oregon? 
So uh, parents really drive the demand. Um, they are the biggest funders of childcare and preschool and early education in our state. So the market is really shaped by this fact. It literally is about where are there communities where parents can afford to pay and sustain these businesses. A tool that we have at the state level and at the federal level and at the community level is public financing. So when we decide to invest as this as a public good, we can use those funds to grow supply. So you see in the report, there are some communities where there were not public funds, right, it would be even more of a desert, right, or for preschool-age children, for example. So um, that's really the bottom line here is that um, we have left, we have let the system of childcare and preschool be completely dependent on what parents can afford to pay. And when they are living, reside in a community where there are not a lot of parents who can afford to pay to sustain these businesses, we just don't have the supply. And when the public financing is too low, we won't see the supply either. So that's what we have to change. We have to really, really recognize that um, parents need help. Parents can pay something. They just can't afford to pay what it actually costs um, to deliver this care. I mentioned that uh, Multnomah County is not a desert when it comes to preschool age, but we have a graphic that you supplied mm -hmm. us, Commissioner, that shows that there are areas of yes. Multnomah County. Uh, you can see these represent child care centers that have an inadequate supply. That's right. We know that even in Multnomah County, which isn't considered a child care desert when it comes to the three and five-year-old population, but I want to say is for the zero to two population, um, we still have lack of access in significant parts of the county. And I think a big piece of that is even if you're looking at where um, child care and preschool is available. Um, we're not, this report talks about just the availability of registered child care. It doesn't go into the um, question of if it's affordable or if it's quality care um, or if it's convenient to parents and families. So there's a lot more, I think, that this report um, gives us a good place to start the conversation in. But um, even here in Multnomah County, we know that for Northeast and uh, North Portland and for East Portland and East County, um, there's a lack of child care that people can find. So it's not just about supply, and there are barriers on both the provider side and the parent side. So let's let's look at some of the barriers for the provider side, and one comes down to wages. The median income for a preschool teacher in Oregon is $13.70. Now you compare that to a kindergarten teacher, and it's $38.80 an hour. How does this play into the availability of early learning, Commissioner? You know, it has a huge impact on it because um, it's really hard to encourage people to get into a field even though the, the job might be so rewarding and so enriching if they're not going to be able to have a living wage. They're not going to be able to support themselves or their family by getting into this job. And um, it's, it's hard to talk to a community college about having a program if they're like, well, we're not going to be getting people into a field that they're going to be able to make a living. It also has an impact in terms of the turnover that you see in the industry in terms of people who want to get into the field, um, really enjoy being in the classroom um, with the children, um, and aren't able to afford um, to stay in that field. Do you want to comment on that, Director Caldwell? Yeah, absolutely. So agree with everything that the commissioner said. Um, when I talk to providers and um, owners or businesses um, of early childhood education, childcare, preschool, they tell me all the time that one of the biggest barriers that they face in even growing their business and serving more families is being able to attract and retain qualified staff. So it is for um, 
for certain one of the biggest um, challenges that we face and we know that without adequate compensation we're not going to be able to recruit or then retain um, the qualified staff so that's a key part of this puzzle I think in solving this problem when we um, f publicly subsidize these costs in a number of our state programs and federal programs we can build in the compensation and the supports for the workforce and that's I think something that I'm very excited about that we do right as we say we're not going to compromise a living wage um, for these providers, but that isn't solving the problem. So for example, we had a historic investment at the state level um, this year in early learning, and as a result, every Head Start teacher in our state is going to get a raise. And you're talking um, about the Student Success Act? The Student Success Act, um, which is absolutely phenomenal. I was talking with the Head Start director a couple weeks ago. She said that the Head Start teachers in her program make $2.50 less an hour than the bus drivers in her local school district, um, which, you know, bus drivers need to earn a fair wage and that is really important work but we need to value our early childhood educators too so in public financing again we're able to help solve some of the problem but that isn't going to resolve it for all of the early childhood educators and child care providers in Oregon so some people may be listening and say okay so the wages are low why is the cost of child care so high I think any parent with young children in Oregon knows how high it is you have a video that you show a lot of people to explain that and you send it to us and we, we pulled a clip and this video tells the story of young Jaden in childcare. It uses an average yearly, which is really a high cost, but it's what people are paying, average yearly childcare cost of $10,000. Let's, let's watch this video and we'll talk about it. Let's take a closer look at Jaden's childcare center. He's one of 40 children attending full-time. Family payments equal $400,000 a year. About 12% goes to rent, utilities, and maintenance. 23% goes for classroom materials, food, and administrative costs. This leaves about $260,000 for personnel. Early care and education is labor-intensive and requires low adult-to-child ratios to ensure quality interactions. Jaden Center, open 10 hours a day with 40 children and three classrooms, needs at least three lead teachers, six assistant teachers, and one director. The remaining money doesn't allow for median salaries, let alone benefits. That explains that, and on the other side of the equation are the parents mm -hmm. who are struggling to pay the $10,000 a year. And we have some eye-opening statistics that are from your office in Multnomah County. Uh, more than 60% of Multnomah County households with children under five years old fall below what's called the self-sufficiency standard, which means they're unable to meet their basic needs without assistance. 40% of households spend more than 30% of their income on housing. Mm -hmm. A single family household earning the median income has to spend 41% of their take-home pay to keep up with the average cost of preschool. So parents are really having to make some tough choices, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. It's really hard, um, especially with um, the costs of of housing, of food, and now childcare um, for so many families to make ends meet. The video that you showed, it's, it's when I discovered it, it was my favorite thing because it shows so simply exactly what the problem is. Just with um, private parents paying into a system is not enough to um, serve the, the number of kids that we need to and to really pay people a fair wage that they have. So um, you have pressures on both ends. You have pressures with the people who are working there 
who are struggling to make ends meet, and then you have the families who have the pressure of trying to afford this care so that they themselves can go to work. And one other way to look at it, uh, Director Calderon, you sent us a family monthly budget, and this breaks it down for a family, two working parents, one child in child care, and it shows that child care, housing, and food costs are nearly 70% of the monthly budget as you look at this. So parents are really struggling, and, and some of the solutions, we talked about public funding, but one of the things that you're working on, Commissioner, is preschool for all. You headed up a task force that started last year. They just finished up, um, and they have some recommendations. What is your vision for preschool for all in Multnomah County? Yeah, so um, this was such great work that we did. We had, um, all told, over 100 people throughout the community of Multnomah County really coming together to talk about what, it, what a, a publicly funded um, quality preschool program could look like in Multnomah County. And um, our North Star for that work had to do with what if every child had a preschool program that was right for them and every family could afford it? So with that in mind, we came together over the course of 10 months to talk about what exactly that would look like. And for me, it was really important that this was a very inclusive process. So we had folks who were from the business community, from the school districts, early learning experts. We had healthcare and housing. Um, we had community-based organizations, culturally specific organizations. We had um, provider voice and we especially had parent voice in there because we wanted to make sure that we were incorporating the needs of families who are actually experiencing some of these challenges. Um, so that group worked together for 10 months and in July we re released a report that had the recommendations of what our vision for this could be. And we have a graphic that shows some of the recommendations. As we look at this, Director Calderon, maybe you could weigh in. You have some background on this. You, you worked on a, a universal plan in D.C. Is this feasible? Is this something that can work as we look at some of these recommendations in Multnomah County? Uh, absolutely. I think this is such an important effort and we have, um, I know myself um, and others and my colleagues are are really um, excited about what the commissioner has led here in this community. Ultimately, financing early care and education, what um, the vision, the North Star that the commissioner laid out is going to take leadership and partnership at multiple levels. It's not a solution that we can address in the state alone. We're going to need partnership with the federal government. We're going to be part and we're going to need partnerships with communities. We're going to need to more, do more at the state level to really be able to support children and families and having this vision. But it's it's entirely possible. It's happened in, you know, in Washington, D.C., and it can happen in more places. Um, but it is going to take, you know, that kind of partnership um, and a real focus and commitment to it. Um, Early childhood education, I like to say, is um, not cost effect is 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 incredibly cost effective, but it's not cheap, right? And parents experience that every day, and so do providers. Um, and it's going to take us all working together to say we can do more to help families afford this and more children have this opportunity. And I, ha I just want to add, um, it was wonderful to work with Miriam and her department, uh, the governor's office, as we were doing this work and as we were having these conversations about what this could look like in Multnomah County, because there's such great work being done at the state level. And I think we have the opportunity here in Multnomah County to actually um, build on what's already done, continue to work in parallel with them, but really jumpstart and make a really serious investment that can be a model for our whole entire state. Well, Director Calderon, you talked about uh, being cost-effective, and I know you're so passionate about this, Commissioner. So I want to read an op part of an op-ed piece that you wrote for the Oregonian speaking to that. Uh, you, you wrote, a strong body of research shows that children who participate in quality, culturally responsive, early learning programs gain the skills that allow them to be successful in school. They're more likely 
to be on track to graduate high school. They'll achieve higher economic success in their lifetime. Research shows that investing in early childhood learning returns up to $10 in benefits for every dollar spent. Are you looking for this to be a real game changer? Yeah, absolutely. This is the this is where we can step up and make um, make an investment in these children's lives that's going to pay dividends not just for them but for all of us. Um, one of the things, you know, working in government and working at the county where we provide such critical services to people every day, um, we know that the later that you're able to reach in to people's lives to help make changes, the more expensive it is. So if we can make advancement, advancements earlier in, in their lives, um, we're doing exactly what Miriam says and really making a cost-effective way of um, making a smart investment. Did you have a thought to share on that? No, I mean, I think it's absolutely true. The, um, the return on investment is uh, well-proven and well documented it's it's not only more costly it's uh, you know to intervene later it's more difficult mm -hmm. and often less successful than what we know in early childhood again it's a matter of um, really being able to show the leadership and make those investments up front and be able to wait for those returns right and that's I think precisely where we get stuck a little bit in early childhood education is saying you know how do we shift some of these investments um, so in Multnomah County you know that is precisely how do we find a way to to, while we're still having costs that we need to provide in critical services, find the resources and the leadership to be able to shift more dollars earlier, um, and then really wait to see the benefits of those returns over time. Tell us about this ballot measure that may be before voters in November. How will it work? Yeah, so, um, you know, when we released the report in July, I think that was like the end of phase one, and now we're strongly into phase two of the work, um, which really has two parts. The first is um, to drill into the details of the report and really build out what the implementation of this would look like. Um, there's a lot of things that we're still um, you know, talking about how do we get this to ramp up in a way that would make it um, accessible to as many child children as possible, as quickly as possible. We're also trying to understand how the dollars that came from the Student Success, Success Act are going to be available in Multnomah County. So there's some early learning dollars that might um, offer up some more slots that would um, decrease the need you know, for us to make that investment. And school districts also have an opportunity, some flexibility with their dollars to do some early learning investments. So we're having those conversations um, you know, throughout over the next months. And then, as you said, we're also looking at what it would take to get this on the ballot in front of voters so that they would have a chance to show their support for this kind of early learning investment. Um, and we're working to do that um, in November of 2020. What kind of mechanism do you think you would ask voters for to pay for it? Would it be in addition to the property tax? What do you envision? Yeah, that's, we're still trying to figure that out. And I think that is um, one, understanding what our total need is going to be will help um, determine what's the mechanism we're going to use to raise the money. Um, and it's also looking at, you know, uh, what's going to provide a stable amount of funding and enough funding to fund that program. So we're going to um, be looking at that and hopefully have that decision made by, over this winter. Director Calderon, I mentioned earlier that you worked in D.C. and you worked on a program that brought universal pre-K there. That was a few years ago. Tell us how that worked and what we can learn from it here. Well, absolutely. I think one was that, uh, as the commissioners talked about, is just having a bold vision, right? Holding out that North Star and saying, this is something that we want to do for all of our children. Um, really being being committed to quality, because sometimes in our field, we get, you know, these two things get sort of pitted against each other, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a choice point to make somehow between serving all more children um, with less quality, right? And what does less quality really mean? It goes back to exactly what you were talking about. It means less uh, 
fair, not fair wages for the staff, fewer supports, less qualified teachers, right? Meet directly impacts the experience for children and families, right? And so in DC, the bold vision was saying bold access to quality, right? And really making sure that the investments were there. In the district, and I think in this in this way, every, um, every community is different and needs to find the solutions that work for them and that community. Um, in the district, a number of things were going on. Um, there was a big focus on reforming the K-12 and the public education system. There was declining enrollment in public schools. A lot of families were leaving the city and not staying um, out of concern for right the future of their children and education. And so um, preschool was a way to really engage also families back into schools. We had space in school buildings because of declining enrollment and the district chose, chose to fund it um, through its school funding formula, right? So it was it, it ended up being primarily a school-based program. I don't think that's the direction that we're going in our state, um, nor in, in the vision for Multnomah County. It's really to leverage all of the mm -hmm. providers that we have in the city. But I think the thing that I would say the lessons learned are bold vision, um, access, and really ensuring that the investments are there to provide quality to children You've and been families. Offering bold vision, Commissioner, and you are. I, while I have you here, I do have to ask about your political future because so much speculation. Your term is up with the county commission in 2020. Yeah. You were a state legislator before that. A lot of people wondering what you plan to do if you're going to run for county commission again. Some people, I've, I've seen speculation that you're thinking about running for mayor of Portland. Mayor Wheeler has announced he's running for mm -hmm. re-election. Are you still considering that? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. I've been answering that by saying my biggest priority right now is making sure that this um, preschool for all measure is successful in getting on the ballot in 2020. I think that is really one of the most important long-term investments that we can make. And I'm fully behind and committed to that. Um, I was, you know, um, considering running for mayor, especially before the the mayor said that he was, you know, think, you know, before he said he was going to run for mayor, um, people still are asking me about it. So, um, so that's interesting. You know, for me, um, I think this work is part of a bigger um, job that we all need to do and we all need to be engaged in about creating the right city, the right county, the right place that we want to live. I think everybody um, who lives in Portland understands that we're at a point where our city is changing, it's growing, and we have to make a commitment about what kind of growth and um, what kind of city we want to be. And that's really exciting. So, so is that a maybe? You might still run for mayor? You're not ruling it out, it sounds like. Yeah, I'm still um, thinking about really the West way I can serve, but for now, this is my How about Secretary of State? That's a crowded race. Mm -hmm. Are you interested in that? Yeah, and somebody else just got into it right now. No, that is not something that okay, I'm Okay, here's one, uh, something else I hear about. I've heard a number of people say they think you could be the next governor. <laughs> and Kate Brown, her term's up in 2022, she can't run again. Is there any interest on your part in running for governor? Um, not right this second, no. I think, I, you've got like all the rumors. You've heard all the rumors. <laughs> I keep my ear to the ground. I yes. um, you know, I think it's, we've got, um, We've got a lot of potential. I have to say, I am so grateful that I get to do the work that I do, and I get to serve the community in the way that I do, and I enjoy this work, and I intend to be doing it for a long time, as long as people still want me to serve. So that's the, that's the most important thing for me right now. You know, I got into this job because I was, I was in the tech field before I ran for office, but I have lived all over this city, and I've lived um, the longest in East Portland. And East Portland is a part of the city that actually has not had the resources that it's had. And coming from 
a Mexican-American family and I know the challenge that my family has faced, um, you know, this is a work that allows me to advocate for people who haven't had a voice before to fight for the resources and investments for neighborhoods like mine. And yeah, I'm going to keep doing it until people don't let me do that anymore. So maybe run for county commission again. That's still on the plate. Well, Absolutely. we're almost out of time. Just 20 seconds. Can you give us a final thought, Director Calderon? The Student Success Act is a huge and important moment in our state, and it has doubled our state's early learning investment, and there is more work to do. This is a down payment, and it's going to take partnership at all levels to get this done. Well, I want to thank you both for being here to talk about this important topic. Thank you so much.